You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. I want you to go ahead and turn with me. Turn with me to Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, our, our message today is all about the heart. And so I've asked the band to kick us off with a few words from a great, uh, wise old theologian that you may know from the, the 80s, known as Brian Adams. Y'all just didn't know how to sing that in church. I know what it is. You felt you're going back to an eighth grade dance, and I'm sorry for that. This was meant to be an illustration, all right? Hey, here's the deal. It's hard to do right when our thinking is wrong because our thoughts, our words, and our actions don't come from our minds or our mouth or our motions. They come where? Straight from the heart. Brian Adams did have that part right. So church, here's my question today. How's your heart working? Because that's what this message is about. The heart of mankind can be wildly productive or destructive, but it's a necessary component of our lives and our faith. And we know that because the Bible explains this over and over and over. And one of those places it does that is in Mark chapter 7, verse 14. So I want us to stand in honor of God's word and read this together today. Thank you, band. I asked them to do that. Mostly because 80s was the greatest generation of music in history. You can argue with me after the service, all right? My cell number's there. All right. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. These are the words of God. May God bless them. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? (laughs) Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, 
murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. I want to ask Peyton Dungan to come and ask God's blessings on his word and the message today. Peyton. Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us, God. I thank you that we have the ability to gather here together and, and worship you, Lord. Um, God, I pray you just mold us and chisel us to be more like your son, Jesus. And God, I just pray that when the Holy Spirit calls us, Lord God, our response to you would be yes, Lord. Um, God, in Ephesians 3, uh, Paul prays, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And God, I pray that you just don't let us walk on by you today, Lord, without taking in, I mean, without seeing, God, the height, the width in the depth of your love for us. And God, I just pray you bless this message, God, and bless the reading of your word. I'm going to ask these things in your name and pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. All right. Well, we, uh, Vicki and I, we served in uh, Virginia for almost a decade. And some of you have heard this story, but it definitely applies uh, here today. And while we were there, the Lord called us to South Asia. Uh, to be missionaries. And before we went, we had to have this big yard sale. I mean, we sold everything. Four-wheelers, lawnmowers, uh, deer stands, golf clubs, everything. Well, I was coaching rec league soccer at the time, so Vicki put on the Saturday, uh, she put together the Saturday yard sale. I just moved this stuff out in the driveway, right? Well, I forgot all about it because I came home that afternoon after all the games and, and you know, it was gone. So I, I'm you know, I forgot all about it. Well, fast forward to Thursday. Many of you ever had an epiphany, you know, where your heart stopped? And so I'm laying in bed next to her and I'm like, babe, what happened to all my stuff? She goes, oh, no problem. I sold it in the yard sale. I was like, Shoo. well, what did you get for the, those spools? I had two, we lived on a river and I was going to run a uh, cable down to a, a, a dock on the river. And so I had two spools. You electricians in here know how much that costs. 30 amp cable. 500 feet or more of it, all right? I said, how much do you get for those spools? And she goes, oh, I got $5 a piece for those spools. <laughs> I was like, babe, the copper alone's worth about 400, all right? So then I said, well, what about my golf clubs? You're, you know, her, and by the way, these golf clubs had about $75 worth of Pro V1 balls in them, plus a brand new driver her dad bought me about a year before. I said, what'd you get for those golf clubs? She said, oh, don't worry. Uh, you know, somebody wanted to give me five for them, but I didn't take it. I was like, Shh. She said, yeah, I wouldn't take less than ten. Dollars. <laughs> See, and, and the reason that she sold them so cheap is because she was too lazy to bargain. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. She, she sold them cheap because her husband didn't tell them, tell her what the value was. All right? And in this passage, Jesus is teaching us to change the way we value our hearts. Our hearts are actually of greater value 
than our actions, all right? And so Jesus teaches us first that the heart enables hearing. The heart enables hearing. Mark chapter 7, verse 14, he called the people to him again and said to him, hear me, all of you, and understand. Now for context, I want to back up to the beginning of the chapter to see what set all this conversation up, all right? Now when the Pharisees, uh, this is Mark chapter 7, verse 1, uh, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the, his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. Verse 4, and there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Verse 6, and he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it's written, this people honors me with their lips, but their, say it with me, heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So Jesus has already begun the comparison of the heart with human activity, right? So first Jesus says here, check your acoustics. Hear me, all of you, and understand. That Greek word for hear is actually akuo, uh, which of course literally means to hear or listen carefully, but figuratively here, it means to hear God's voice in such a way that it prompts us to obedient faith. Akuo is where we get our English word acoustics, all right? And acoustics are more than just hearing the sound, but hearing the sound clearly with an understanding heart, like pure crystal sound or a low bass you can feel inside. There's good acoustics and bad acoustics. There was a student pastor one time who wanted to illustrate for his students that were going off to college uh, just how important the Word of God was. So he blindfolded a student and put him outside the youth hall and put, him, put someone out uh, someone else out there with them so they wouldn't cheat and peek. And then inside the youth hall, they set up tables. And on every one of these tables, they put gifts. You know, they had a, a brand new Xbox on one of them. They had a, a Visa gift card on another, cold hard cash on another, and so on throughout the youth hall. And then they had over in the corner a Bible on one of the tables, all right? Well, they assigned a team of student guides that, to each table. All right, And they would yell instructions as soon as the blindfolded kid came in. They would yell instructions, two steps forward, right, right, four steps, you know, trying to get them to come to their table to get their gift. All right. The only difference was the Bible table only had one kid assigned to it. Right. So you can imagine what happened when they brought the blindfolded kid in. Uh, of course, he's still blindfolded. Uh, and all this yelling screaming instructions, you know, <laughs> all these kids yelling this way, for, you know, all these instructions, so much so that they didn't hear any one instruction. Of course, even worse is that poor single kid over at the Bible table didn't stand a chance, right? Bad acoustics, right? But this past week, uh, Isaiah and I were playing one night in the pool and he wanted to play a game where he spun around in circles and then would guess where I was at. All right. And of course, I'm sitting up uh, on a table. And um, so he said, Dad, turn the music off. We had music playing uh, straight from the heart and uh, <laughs> my 80s playlist. And so uh, I turned the music off so he could hear better. Well, he spins around so much that he gets dizzy. You know, he doesn't know where he's at. And, but then he says, ah, I hear the pool pump. Pool pumps that way, which means you're right there. And he pointed right at me. All right. Why? Good acoustics, right? 
And uh, Jesus says here, hear me, check your acoustics. This is a pivotal principle I'm about to share. Let all the other tables stop yelling, turn off the music, and listen and understand what I'm saying. All these Pharisees and scribes tell you what they think makes you unclean. And I'm going to tell you something, church, you students about to go off to college. There'll be a lot of voices yelling at you trying to tell you what's right and wrong. But that's written in God's word. No matter what the world around you does, this is it. This is the plumb line, the Holy Spirit. And though the voices around you may be deafening, you better know that a heart that is surrendered to God can still hear the Lord speak, even in a, a crowd of noise. All right. Secondly, know the source of understanding. When things in this world don't make sense to you, when you feel too guilty or too prideful or uh, to repent, it means your heart isn't hearing correctly. A self-help book isn't going to unclog your ears. You need Christ. A 15th century uh, author who we went through his book recently on Wednesday nights named John Owen uh, says, The heart in the scripture is variously used, sometimes for the mind and understanding, sometimes for the will, sometimes for the affections, sometimes for the conscience, sometimes for the whole soul. Generally, as here, it denotes the whole soul of man and all the faculties of it. Not absolutely, but as they are all one principle of moral operations, as they all concur in our doing good or evil. Church, you don't just hear the Holy Spirit with your ears. You don't just obey him with your actions. You hear and obey with your soul. You're wasting your time today. You're wasting your time in small group Bible study. You're wasting your time in your personal devotions if you don't have good acoustics. The heart is like JR. The heart's like a good sound technician, Andrew. Right? They enable the sound to be felt and heard and understood clearly. They're tweaking it the whole time to make sure it's right. And that's how we should be. We need to be paying attention to our heart. But what else does Jesus say about the heart that the heart can do? It enables hearing. But secondly, the heart enables sin. And, and really sin's too gentle of a word to use here because the Lord chose a much more specific and graphic word in Mark 7, 21, for from within, out of, say it with me, the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, so on. Evil things come from within and they defile a person. So the first thing we notice here is our need to call our sin evil. We don't like to call our sin evil, do we? Wicked. We don't like to say, we can say, oh, we're all sinners. We all need Jesus. We're all bruised and broken, right? We like those words. <laughs> but we don't like evil. I mean, I'm not wicked, am I? We don't even like to call sin, sin at all. But if we do call it sin, we still like to use softer words, don't we? Oh, I love, uh, I'm so sorry, Lord, I, I slipped up, right? Soft words, right? Um, I am so sorry, babe. I didn't handle that well, right? A little softer than I was wicked. This is one we like to hear say a lot. I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm just not perfect. You want to talk about wickedness. A Christian, even in their repentance, can sound accusatory toward God or any other person when they're the ones that committed the sin. <laughs> Guilty. 
we're strange people. Mark says here, evil thoughts, evil things. And by the way, it's an interesting phenomenon in our society that we're actually more angry when the person being sinned against is a good person. You know, we watch bait lines and stuff like that and whoever got murdered, you know, if there were some sweet, loving mother, we're really angry about that. I mean, we say things like, you know, that shouldn't happen to anybody, but her, right? We judge the wickedness of the criminal based upon the righteousness of the victim, don't we? Little, little more angry if it's a good person. Y'all know where I'm going with this. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." Friend, no sin is small when you realize it's against a holy, unsinning, perfect, just fair, loving, life-giving Savior. That's who we sin against. That's wicked. That's why Mark calls it evil. Secondly, know your sin source. All these religious arguments about kosher food and physical cleanness, and uh, they're just ridiculous compared to the heart. Luke 6.45 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his, say it with me, heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart it's assumed there produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks proverbs 21 2 verse 2 says every man uh, every way of a man is right in his own eyes but the lord weighs the heart now i want to just pause here and I want to jump out of this text for a minute over to 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 14. You don't have to turn there. Both of those passages, 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 14, deal with an issue in the church back then. All right? Uh, it was a, just a practical problem coming up, one that Mark had already addressed in Mark 7. 1 Corinthians 8 says, Now concerning food offered to idols, there was a dispute in the church over this. We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And he's talking about knowledge of the word, knowledge of the freedoms in Christ. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there uh, may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, little g, and many lords, little l, yet for, for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However... Not all possess this knowledge. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So just imagine you got a church, and you got two families in the church, all right? One family, they're, both families are believers. And one family knows that, Mark, uh, that Psalm 24, verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they're just trying to save money uh, on meat. So they go down to the market. This stuff's been offered, this leftover meat's been offered to a pagan idol in a pagan temple, right? But it's half price. Who cares? It's still God's goat, right? So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get half price. So they go home, they take it home, they cook it, and they praise God for it. Hallelujah. Another couple in the church, they... They grew up in a pagan temple and they've just come to know the Lord and their heart forbids them to take that meat. They've been taking that meat all their lives and they can't do it anymore, right? 
And so they forbid it. Their heart, their conscience forbids them from doing it. Are both correct? Yes. And so God's saying, hey, don't let one judge the other, you know. That's why Romans 14 verse 22 says, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Meaning the convictions of your heart that aren't necessarily forbidden by Scripture, right? Blessed is the one who uh, has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, Right? So it's not a sin in itself to eat meat offered to idols. That's why Mark throws in the parenthesis there in uh, Mark uh, 7, 7 verse 18. Uh, Thus he declared all foods uh, clean. Right? But even if the food is clean, you've got to make sure your heart's clean too. Now scriptures are clear. Don't y'all be using this passage for anything you want to do. <laughs> oh, my heart doesn't forbid me. Well, sorry, the Bible does. Right? Uh, but uh, you and I both know a portion of this church listens to Christian music. Sorry, you, I just exposed you to the world and, and sin today by letting you listen to Brian Adams. But um, and some of you listen to secular music and some of you listen to both, right? Some of you won't go to a rated R movie and some of you will. Some of you believe in homeschooling only. Some of you believe in Christian schooling. Some of you believe send your kids to public school to be a witness, Right? Some of you uh, drink socially, and some of you uh, are convicted or addicted and need to stay away from it. Some of you wouldn't, it wouldn't phase you a bit to drop a coin in a slide on a, on a, in, a, uh, in a casino. But some of you know that that's dangerous. It's a dangerous, sinful habit. And so your conscience forbids you. Some of you wear one piece bathing suits, some of you wear two. <laughs> Some of you, y'all, we all have different versions of what modesty is, don't we? And I could go on and on, right, in the church. God's word says uh, not to let these things become a spiritual barometer by which you judge everyone you see. But it also says if your heart is convicted, don't do it. If you think you might call someone to stumble, don't do it. The fountain of sin and evil or joy and goodness flows from the same heart. <laughs> so uh, we need to trace our steps to its origin. Does my anger, my constant anger with the government and electric cars, I'm just trying to make it practical, does my constant anger at the world reflect an issue in my heart that is not satisfied with God? That doesn't mean we need to condone sin. We don't need to act and, and call our congressman. I'm not saying that. But is there a deeper issue there? Does my judgment of others look at their heart, pray for them? Do, or do I fail to see the evil in my own heart? Can we do good things in a bad way and bad things in a good way? Most certainly we can. Church, I never want to say or do anything that's... Uh, that can be misconstrued as your excuse to disobey the Lord's conviction in your heart. But I got to say this, some of you need to stop trying to treat the symptoms instead of attacking the source. You're trying to quit some addiction, but your heart's broken. Your heart's jacked up. It's your heart that needs healing. Y'all are trying to fix all these little spinning plates out here. I got news for you. One of them's going to fall off and break. You cannot do it. You can't attack all your individual little sins and get victory. You won't do it. It'll never happen. 
read Ecclesiastes. Solomon tried to do it. He tasted everything this world had to offer and still said, vanity, oh vanities. Love God and keep his word. The heart enables hearing. The heart enables sin. And third, the heart enables genuine belief. Mark 7, verse 19 uh, and verse 23, thus he declared all foods clean, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person, which means uh, the good things come from within as well. So I'll just say two things here. Ask God to give you a heart of faith. There's none that seeketh after God, no, not one. So what do you need? You need a gift from God. Faith is a gift. Repentance is a gift. If you're ever broken over your sin, you better fall on your face before God and thank him for that brokenness because he gave it to you. And it's a gift and it's a wonderful thing. The greatest joys I've ever had in all my life are after the brokenness over my sin. When I weep before God, when I cannot stand in his presence any longer and I have to literally lay down on the ground, those are the best moments in my life. I have more joy in those moments than if I see my son score a soccer goal. Right? This is wonder. And you need to understand that. Ask God to give you a heart of faith. Faith heals the heart. God made the heart and he alone is the eternal heart surgeon. And he alone can repair the damage of sin and unforgiveness and bitterness and rebellion and divorce and pride and self-pity and depression and addiction. All those things you've been doing to hurt your own heart, he can heal it. (laughs) Psalm 34, 18 says, listen to this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Friend, if you're crushed in spirit and your heart's broken, hallelujah, the Lord is near you. Just reach up. He's right there to grab your hand and pull you out of the sinful abyss. Heart of faith. All right, also delight in the value of God. Do y'all know that diamonds aren't scarce? Did you know that? (laughs) The world has made us think they're scarce. Scientists estimate a quadrillion tons of diamonds are buried beneath the earth's surface. Diamond production grew from less than 2 million carats a year in the early 1900s to more than 180 million carats a year today. Meaning in my lifetime, there's been enough carats mined just since I was born to give every human being on the planet a carat. All right? Only... Problem is, they're not really as valuable as we've made them think, look, right? However, our hearts are. And when we perceive the value of our hearts, did you know something that happens? The law of God becomes secondary. What do you mean, the law of God? I don't have to keep his commandments. No, 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 no. It's a secondary issue when Christ is primary. The law is secondary. Matthew 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's everything in you. This is the greatest and first commandment. St. Augustine was a great reform, uh, great uh, early church father, lived in AD uh, 354 to 450-ish, I think. Uh, but he, he said, he was famous for the quote, love God and do as you please. And he's right. He doesn't mean love God and do whatever you want. He means a heart that's surrendered to God is going to delight in whatever God delights in. Those are the things that make me happy. I just want to leave you with something. Uh, Just five heart exercises real quick. All right? Not to unclog your arteries from all the sodas you drink, but but that'll unclog your spiritual arteries. All right? Real quick. I'm going to give these to you rapid fire. 
Number one, be forgiving. And these aren't necessarily in the text, but I just, it's just a little addendum. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If you're not forgiving, it means one thing. Your, your heart has lost sight of how wicked you are and the depths of sin that God has forgiven you. That's the only thing that's keeping you from being forgiving. Forgive, I mean, when you face that fact, you will be more forgiving. Uh, number two, be biblically transparent. Right? First Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. I praise God, I believe our church, for the most part, is a biblically transparent church. And you need to be that way in your prayers before God. Don't tell God you slipped up. Tell God I'm wicked and I need your help. <laughs> All right? Number three, be loving. This is read at every wedding. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient, kind, uh, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. If you're acting in love, you're healing your heart. Did you know that? You don't even know it. Right? It's like you can do two things at once. You can cut the grass and actually get your cardio in at the same time. Right? Two birds with one stone. Right? And when you're loving, you're healing your spiritual heart when you act kindly, especially toward those that are not easy to love. Number four, be grateful. First Corinthians 16.34, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he, first Chronicles 16.34, for he is good. We've sung that over and over this morning. His steadfast love endures forever. Be grateful. Even in the midst of trials, you still have a God that loves you and forgives you. And number five, be a witness. First Peter 3.15, listen to this. But in your, say it, hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Some of you have a wounded heart because you're an unfaithful witness. You're too scared to talk about Jesus at work or school. Our public school teacher of Isaiah sent the sweetest, godliest uh, note home with him about Christ and the Bible. And it was a and it was an encouragement to my soul as a parent. You know, broke every rule in the book, <laughs> probably. And some of y'all need to stop breaking God's rule and be a witness. Sign up for a spiritual gym membership this summer, right? Not to make your, not to get your beach bod on, but to make your heart healthy. Stop treating symptoms and attack the source. It's pivotal to your spiritual growth. Would you stand? Father God, we ask you to heal our hearts. We ask you to give us a heart of brokenness. We ask you to give us a burden for those around us. Lord, forgive us where we try to treat all these little symptoms, pride, anger, lust, greed, but we're not doing anything to work on the source of those symptoms. We're just treating the pain. We're not healing the pain. But Father, your word says in Matthew 6, if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. And I know in that verse it refers to mostly material things, but Father, it has application in the spiritual realm. When we're pursuing you, Lord, you say in your word, if, if we seek you, we'll find you. If we search for you with all our heart. So God, we don't have the heart to do that. Your word says we don't. 
So we're asking you to give it to us right now. Give us a repentant heart. Give us a heart for you. Give us a pure mind. Whatsoever things are pure and holy and just, help us to think on those things. I pray that our summer wouldn't become a summer slump, but it would be a spiritual revival. And we would start to put into practice. We would fellowship together. We would, we would continue in Bible study together. We wouldn't fail to meet together as some are doing, especially as the Lord, as the end is approaching, as Hebrews says. I pray now that if there are people here that have not called on the name of the Lord, they'd understand how much you love them. They'd call on your name, cry out to you, ask you to forgive their sin, their evil, their wickedness. Call on the name of Jesus and He'll wash you white as snow. That's what His Word says. Those your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Call on Him. He'll save you and He'll forgive you and He'll give you eternal life. And for others here that just need to make a commitment to be part of this church, to serve the Lord in some way through the local body of Christ, I pray they do so now. In Jesus' name. sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.